Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Face to Face podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sean. And I'm Jerry. So for our very first episode, we have a very special guest, Mr. Walker. Mr. Walker, can you uh, introduce a little bit about yourself? Hello, I am Kamal Walker, but most of you all know me as Mr. Walker. I teach ninth grade and seventh grade here in the science department. All right, so, um, you know, I think uh, teaching at the high school that you graduated from uh, at Burroughs, I think, I think it, it's a pretty special, unique experience. And so uh, is there anything, like, you notice that's extremely different or similar about, like, you know, when you were a student here or now when you're a teacher? I think it's kind of hard to answer that question for multiple reasons. For one, I'm in a new perspective, right? Like, now I have teacher eyes instead of student eyes when I'm at the school. The other thing is... It's also after a pandemic, that's definitely gonna like change the culture of some stuff, right? Or like change how the flow of things work. So it's hard for me to actually understand what differences I see or because y'all are different and time changes and how much of it is like me just being in this new position, you know? So what are some moments that just stand out to you that you remember vividly about your teaching experience so far? Teaching wise, I think that there are things like, honestly, like the dumb things. I laugh in lab a lot as those who have me probably know. And it's because I started off school here as a teacher. I was like, okay, I'll be serious in the classroom, whatever. First lab day, I'm not gonna out them, but some students that I had messed up like five times in a row and I just couldn't. I just like broke out laughing. I was like, I guess this is just the type of teacher I'm going to be. So I kind of continued forward with it. I think that to me though, one of the things I really enjoyed was this one day I had walked into class and last year for whatever reason, they all wrote on the board every day before class or would draw something like elaborate, whatever it may be. And in this particular day, I walk into the room and it's Mr. Walkerisms was just like the things that I say most in class, like ranked in order from like game plan for today to nature be wild and whatever it may be. So um, to get to know you better and um, for the audience to get, you know, uh, to get to know you better, um, what are some of your like, you know, deepest passions and um, hobbies that you have? So, uh, one that everyone probably knows already is going to be reptiles. I very, very much love reptiles and I have for as far back as I can remember. I'm really into music. I listen to music pretty much constantly. You probably see me around school before and after with my headphones on, just listening to something. I also really love storytelling. So in whatever way that can be done, whether that be through music or if it's through poetry through movies tv shows that kind of stuff so um i i we know that you're a freestyler and i was wondering if you actually wrote any songs um of rap or something so not really the truth is that i started writing rap probably in the past four or five months there's this rapper black thought who is incredibly sick if you all don't know him and there's actually this YouTube channel that I got into called Highlighted, I believe is the name of the channel. And they just do rap rhymes highlighted, those types of videos. And there was this one black thought verse from Bird's Eye View. And the verse was just so amazing that I literally was like, I just have to go home and write something. It was kind of like that sort of feeling. And so I started writing really just for my own sake, just because I thought it might be fun after I saw that verse. Do you remember that verse? I do remember that verse. Yes. Can you spit some right now or? <laughs> sure, I got you. 
Starts off, it's the elephant in the room, created by a collision of the sun and the moon. My sonogram was an image of a gun in the womb that was soon to be doping the heron on a spoon. I'm astonishing, honestly my future looking promising, as my skin tone that a crystal clean onyx is. Darker thoughts let the beast break like the Amish is, I'm a stroke of genius like Micheline Thomas is. Hip hop body rocking, I be doing it dude, I am the living definition of improving the groove. I use the same tools to shoot that Kubrick used. Take your hero to the river, give him two brick shoes. Who lose if you really ain't nobody till somebody love you? I say you ain't nobody till they speaking highly of you. And what I'm sure you wouldn't want is any kind of trouble. Unless you got a crash dummy or a body double. You got a couple homies down to catch a homie for you. Well, I'm a foe in the origami for you. The most notorious poet laureate. Whole story is glorious. Walk like stoic warriors and I got my eyes wide open on you quasi. Haters still smirking like the gator on the eyes eye. Lacosta, y'all tomato head, czar, impostors. Long drawn out process, triple OGs got a worn out conscience. Reminiscent from when we was all out monsters on. Our Sierra Leone, reign of tyranny, I strike fear in their hearts. Rappers steer clear me. There you go. That's fire. <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, this was Black Thoughts fire, but. This stuff is a lot better than whatever the audience listens to. Probably like <laughs> Cardi B or something. <laughs> Cardi B, I listen to some Cardi B too. Cardi B has her marriage. All right, so um, like you shared with us that, you know, you really like reptiles. And I think it's like a good transition to maybe the next thing yeah. we can do. So uh, we're thinking that we could play like a, a draft game. So a reptile draft. Okay, so uh, for those of you that don't know, um, a draft is basically when there's a category, so in this case, reptiles, and each person will pick, uh, let's go three things from the category, yeah. uh, and you'll make a list, and whoever's list is the strongest overall uh, wins the draft. So I guess my first pick, I'm going to have to go with, um, you know, it's a big boy reptile. Big boy reptile, let's uh, hear I'm going to go with the, the crocodile. The crocodile? Oh, okay, that's how that's how. More specifically... The uh, saltwater crocodile. Oh, yeah. True. Solid. Yeah. Was that I, impressive? No, that, okay. that was impressive. So, yeah, thank you. Actually, I'm 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 gonna go next. No, no you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm, gonna match, I'm gonna match. I'm gonna match Jerry's uh, option, <laughs> and I'm gonna go with an alligator. All right. No, that's you just lost. You, just, you sold. You lost. Because right. mine's just better. Like you just. How, how's it better? Tell me. Mine. So, Tell me. How's it better? So, I, mine is bigger. Mine is like you, you got you wear bro, Crocs, bro. You don't wear Gators. <laughs> mine is better, all right? All hey, right, Sean, your turn. So, I'm actually built different. I'm going with the gecko. That's trash. It's actually <laughs> trash. Bro, what is a hey, gecko? Do? Hey, no reptiles are trash. Just yeah. throw that out. Oh my god, geckos can <laughs> stick to any surface without a using thing? a sticky. Yeah, substance. that is a thing. Oh really? Yeah, like it, they're insanely strong too. Dang. Nah, but Crocs are stronger, so. <laughs> they're not. Crocs right. are slow. they're not, though. Are very slow. All right. Mr. I will Walker? Say, uh, one hit against crocodiles and alligators, you can hold their mouths closed very easily. Yeah, fast. But I'm going to go with a black mamba, fastest snake in the world. Ooh. Okay. <gasps> Didn't That's see that one coming. <laughs> All right. So for my second pick, uh, I got to I gotta get a strong pick, you know? So I'm going to go with the chameleon. You know, it can change colors. You know, it's just... Camouflage. It's, it's like, yeah, camouflage. Yeah. I don't think it's for camouflage, though, right? <laughs> a lot of times it's for their emotions. It's for, it's for emotion. You know, they're expressing their emotions, you know? All right, so, yeah. Good pick. <laughs> that was a good pick. Yeah, Mark, it's your turn. I'm thinking right now. I'm going to go with uh, a rattlesnake. They have their cool rattles, and it sounds <laughs> like a maraca, and it's very cool. Okay. 
Okay. All right, man. So, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with the Komodo dragon. Got to get that salivary bite, you know. <laughs> what? what does that even mean? What does that even mean? They got, that. They, we have an expert. They got venomous bites. So it, like it's they, like has so much bacteria in it that it's venomous. So they actually thought that before, and then no, they learned that it was venom. venom, and then they were like, maybe it is the bacteria, then it turns out that it's still venom. But uh, is it both? It's both? They like they have this really disgusting thing that they do that's kind of cool, where they will bite an animal and then they'll just wait for the animal to die. They'll just follow them for like however long it takes. The Komodo dragon looks like a dinosaur. Like it I'm does. gonna keep it real. And we it's love like it. Massive too, though. That was gonna yeah. be my next pick, so well played. I think that for my second pick, since Komodo Dragon is now off the table, I will go for Basilisk Lizard. They're lizards that can run on water. Oh, I know. They're also called the Jesus Christ Lizard. All right. Um, wait, wait. For, I got a question. How do they run on water? So basically, they run so fast. Like for us, weight transfer, it would have to be we were running at like 60 miles per hour. But then we would also need their feet. They're just like specially designed webbed, so right? that they can. They are webbed, yeah. And they'll make like pockets in the water where they're basically like standing on air bubbles. That's not exactly what's happening, but that's kind of how you can imagine it. Wait, so it's possible for us to to run on water? If we had their feet and could run at 60 miles per hour. So if Jesus Christ was like running at 60 <laughs> miles per hour, that's that hey, that that explains it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, explains yeah. it. Exactly. Jesus fast. Christ is just like a fast man. So, so you won the draft. <laughs> Wait. Oof. Okay, okay. All right. Third just, pick. just a question. Third pick, um, I think I'm gonna go with like, like a real thick pick, you know? Oh my god! <laughs> don't say it like that. Go don't the, say it like that. I'm gonna go with the anaconda. I knew it, bro. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like it's like wrestling. You know, it's it's just strong, strong animal. You know, I can't help but notice that I have the strongest animals. You know, in my, you know, so if it was ever a one v one or three v three, you know, I would just <laughs> easily, I would sweep. You know, so I think the game's over, guys. All right, I'm sorry. Are you gonna I'm it? gonna go with um, the greatest predator the Earth has ever seen, and that is gonna be the T Rex. <laughs> Solid, well played, well played. Is that a reptile? <laughs> they are reptiles. We 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 we're just we're doing prehistoric now. The rules yeah, were never specified. Yeah. Like, well played. <laughs> T Rex. All right, bro. Nah, but a T Rex nah, can take lost. all of your animals, bro. Arms, bro. We lost, bro. A five five. I'm gonna go with the Velociraptor. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> also solid a solid pick. Okay, um, I would like to expand the pool even more. Then I'm gonna go for the fictional reptile and pick a dragon. I know way. Oh, <laughs> no. Wait a minute, bro. Wait, how did I go from most powerful animals to the least powerful animals, bro? How did that happen? Bro, all your animals died with my Velociraptor. I think you lost. All of our animals died in. No, I never lose. I got the chameleon. Chameleon carries. You'll never find it. You can't a find T-Rex could take can all of your you animals at once, like a hundred times. Yeah, maybe with his legs, not his arms. <laughs> his arms are gonna get stuck, bro. Stuck. Alright. All right, uh, what if his dragon is like small, like a Komodo dragon? It's not a dragon. Dragons are big. Hey, but we should and definitely. Scary. Uh, okay. <laughs> Alright, so we're gonna recap our reptile picks. So I had the saltwater crocodile, chameleon, and uh Thick, girthy <laughs> anaconda. Oh my god. <laughs> Mark? Alright, so. I think we're done, guys. For my picks. <laughs> you get fired, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Um, or my picks were alligator as my first pick. A uh, second pick was a rattlesnake. And third pick was uh, the T Rex. 
Okay, so mine, I started off with the gecko. Then I moved trash first pick. Then Continue. I moved yeah, to yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> don't worry, don't the worry. Komodo dragon, all right? And then I went straight to the Velociraptor. And uh, while all these are great choices because reptiles, you can't go wrong, the winner's picks were Basilisk Lizard, Black Mamba, and finally a dragon. Yeah, the dragon is a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> kind of turns the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, that's our reptile draft, guys. Who won? I think I won. I think he won. He is a I have a dragon. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But that's like fictional. All right, uh, so the people behind the screen, Teddy, Boaz, and Finn, are saying that Mr. Walker won. Because oh, yeah. Did they win? Yeah, they won. Uh, he, I mean, he, he won. won. Sorry, bro. he won. Yeah, so they're saying that Mr. Walker won. We're going to go back to the questions now. You got a question? Yeah. So what are your goals for the future? And do you, so, do you see yourself uh, staying in St. Louis? So for the future, I don't know what my specific plans are, but in the immediate future, I actually applied to some MFA programs for creative writing and poetry. So there are four schools I'm waiting to hear back from in that. But I'm also looking at potentially working at a field research station just so I can have an opportunity to be in nature for a period of time and then looking at work potentially in Japan. But those are the three things I'm considering. In terms of long-term goals, part of what I wanna do is still figure that out, right? It's to get all these different course, experiences yeah. so I can know what I wanna do. Hmm. All right, well, good luck with the uh, applications. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so a few days ago um, in assembly, uh, you delivered a very emotional presentation. It was very uh, it was a very good presentation. I think a lot of people that uh, listened were like very moved and um, a lot of people resonated with it. Yeah. And uh, it was about like your disappointment of the culture and um, frequent racism in St. Louis and near the St. Louis area. Um, and although like there are many of these terrible things that are happening all the time, um, like in St. Louis, when you came to St. Louis, are there any places where like it just makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel like home and uh, or like people, even people or places. So I would say that in terms of physical places, I think one of the difficult things was that's kind of was the issue is that there wasn't a physical place that really felt like home. But I think that not home necessarily, but a sanctuary, so to speak. I don't know if you've all ever been to Tower Grove Park or if you go there frequently, but in Tower Grove Park, there's this one area where they have fake ruins and it's just literally, I don't know why they built it, but I like it. And just a bunch of ruins kind of stacked up. You're not supposed to climb on top of it, but there's no sign. So I just pretend like I didn't know every time somebody says something. But I would always go there and just, it's like a 20 minute walk from my house, just climb up and sit there for a while and just kind of look out. And I always appreciated that. To the assembly announcement, James Baldwin, one of his primary messages was essentially that all that we really have in life is our connection to each other. And that's the only thing that really makes this life bearable slash worth living slash what supplies us with our joy, things of that nature. And so there are plenty of people who do that. And some of those people are still in St. Louis, like my family, for sure. Um, some newfound connections that I've had since I've come back to St. Louis, but also my best friends in high school, I'm still really close to all of them, even if I don't talk to them frequently. And so they were always really important to me during my time here and spending time with them is something I really cherished. What's so special about, you know, that place that you described in, uh, in St. Louis? 
I honestly couldn't say what's necessarily special about it other than to me, I think it's just a place where I build a lot of memories. And I don't mean memories like, oh, I like proposed there or like whatever the heck. I mean memories in terms of I just climbed up there and I would just sit and you can the view isn't like insanely high, right? But it's high enough that you can still see over a certain amount of space. And I think partially seeing that much alone is a centering thing to me, kind of a reminder. Partially how big the world is, even if I'm only looking at a small part of it. But I think the other thing is I would go up there specifically during different periods of time and weather. So I actually, my mom didn't know this is why I went because she would have been very upset. But I actually went there and I stayed in the middle of a thunderstorm at one point. Maybe not the smartest idea, but something that I wanted to have as an experience. And I really appreciated that. Going up there during just like a light rain or during a sunny day. I haven't been up there in the snow yet. That's something that I still want to do. But it's just a consistent place I can go and kind of just center myself. And I've also gone there with Catherine, who is my best friend from Burroughs. I think it's very important um, as a minority living in America to find, you know, find a space that you feel comfortable in. And for me, it's pretty simple. It's just you know, a Chinese restaurant. And it may seem you know, not that influential or something, but the reason it's important to me is that I can see people who look exactly like me um, enjoy themselves, you know, have a great time. It's also a place where I can um, speak my language without, you know, people like turning their backs or something. For example, like ordering food or, you know, getting a drink. And um, yeah, I just think it's important that everyone has a space that they belong in, no matter if it's if you're in a minority or if you're a white person in America. For sure. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty deep. Um, <laughs> so I guess we can move on to the next question. <laughs> Wait, you still didn't say what it's called. What is the Chinese restaurant called? Um, there's this uh, Chinese restaurant called uh, off of Olive, uh, Kate Zone. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's across uh, a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to say that. <laughs> so, hey, do you All right, well, everybody, you? go to Kate Zone and visit Mark and his fields. Yeah, yeah. All right. Support that restaurant because um, they sort of suffered a lot during COVID. So they're trying to recover. For all small businesses, they all suffered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, restaurants having to, like, get, um, like, what's the word? Money? No, like, like they had to, like, go out. Go out they had to go out yeah, of business. Yeah, uh, <laughs> How did you? How did you? <laughs> um, because, like, you know. Come on, man. Lock lack in, lock of in. customers and funding and. All that uh, stuff, so. Um, all right, I guess we can move on to the next question. So, okay, so on a more lighthearted note, are there any songs or albums or artists that you just really like besides uh, the one you already mentioned? I could give you a list of like 80 billion things. Top five like, albums. So my number one album and the album that actually got me into music is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. That album, I genuinely think it can't be objective because there's no real objectivity in like art, but that'd be my objective pick for best album of all time, just period. Other albums that really meant a lot to me, I'm New Here by Gil Scott Heron. He's a jazz musician, but also a poet. And so that album has a lot of poetry over instrumentals in and of itself. And I really love it. I have a lot of memories of my mom and that album. There's... 
I guess an artist in general who's meant a lot to me is Mac Miller. So his album Swimming is one that I hold very dear to my heart. There are a lot of different albums. My uh, My Beauty Dress Fantasy, Swimming, I'm New Here, Good Kid, Mad City, phenomenal album by Kendrick Lamar. And recently I've really loved Wasteland Baby by Hozier. That song, sorry, that album has been in my rotation for about the last like year and a half basically. So um, your playlist mostly consists of like like poetry, not really really like like beats or you know like mediocre rap. I guess <laughs> you could say it's. I think that the best way to put it, I go to music for different things, right? And so sometimes I sit down and I actually listen to like something like I'm new here, but there are other times that. I just want a particular vibe, right? And so I'll go to whoever I think can give me that. Mm -hmm. But I actually came from a jazz background. So my grandfather on my mom's side was a jazz musician. And I never met him. He died when I was one year old, when I was one years old. But he was pretty big in the scene. If you like know jazz musicians, he like was actually a music teacher. I just learned last year that he taught John Coltrane, which I did not know and was really? like, what the heck? Yeah. What? Exactly. Because he had a music school in St. Louis and a bunch of people came through St. Louis for jazz. And so there was, and I, I'm kind of upset that my parents let me know about this like when I was 24. But <laughs> my uncles are jazz musicians too. But the thing is that I don't listen to jazz that much because to me it's music that I have to like sit down and really like dedicate myself to listening to. Mm -hmm. I can't just like mm -hmm. passively listen to it. It just doesn't feel right. So yeah. Do you feel like like music is like a, a venting mechanism for you almost? I wouldn't say venting necessarily, although sometimes I certainly use it that way. Uh, I think that music is partially how I process the world. Really music and storytelling. Whenever I have conversations with people, a lot of times when I'm trying to relay a sentiment, what I'll do is I'll say like, oh, well, there was this one time that Kendrick said this lyric in a song. And this is kind of like what I'm feeling. Or like I'll listen to an album and I'll say, I think this is how it relates to the world. This is how we move through it if anyone is interested in that kind of stuff there's this book called they can't kill us until they kill us by a poet slash music critic named hanif abdurakib that i really love and it's him just kind of talking about how music relates to the world and a collection of short essays on that all right so um when we uh when you said your favorite albums uh one your number one was uh kanye west's album um uh, and so we're just wondering, like, you know, Kanye West has been getting himself into, like, you know, some weird some situations. situations recently. Um, and, like, how do you feel just about, like, separating art from, like, the actual artist and their viewpoints? And uh, how do you feel about, like, like what, what does supporting him mean? Like, does, is listening to his music uh, still, like, how do you feel about that? So I got to ask you all the question. Do you want the... The spark notes or like the the detailed response? Whatever you feel like. Because I would say that it's multifaceted. So I think that for one, me in general, I think that I am, well, I am a fairly empathetic person. It feels weird to say that sometimes, but I believe in like showing people grace. Now, that's not to say that what he's doing is like excusable because it's not. But hopefully what I'll get into will relate. I think that a lot of times I find it partially fascinating but also get stumped on the way that fame tends to affect certain people and i'm not just talking about kanye west i'm talking about like mm. 
other people who got a lot of flack for things like Justin Bieber, for example, I think that people forget that he like started off being incredibly famous at like freaking 14 or however old yeah. he was and like how that can actually affect someone in terms of how they develop. And so to Hanifa Durakib, the author that I mentioned earlier, there was one time he came to Yale to speak and he was talking about just his own poetry, his books. And he was like, anyone can ask questions if they want. So I just asked him what his thoughts on Kanye West were to which he had responded. This is like four years ago. Something along the lines of, I don't really pay attention to Kanye West's personal life because he makes it difficult with all the stuff that he does, with the exception of these few things. And that's, for those who don't know, Kanye West started off his career, single-wise, with Through the Wire, which was a song he recorded after he got into a huge car crash, for all his purposes, should have died in the car crash. Then, as Hanif Abdurki put it, college dropout made him notable. The late registration album made him infamous and graduation made him more famous than he could have ever possibly imagined. And a little bit later, his mother died. And Hanif also lost his mother young. And he said, I don't, I may be biased because I'm someone else who lost their mother at a very young age. But I don't think people oftentimes recognize what it can do to someone to start their career having should have been buried and to reach a peak of their career where they then have to bury the person they love most. And also having to blame themselves for that death because of the fact that it was something related to money that he paid for, that he got from his shows. And it's not to say that like, like his comments on Jewish people and a lot of like his whole stuff with Pete Davidson, that stuff isn't really excusable, but a part of me is kind of like, this is a person who I think people oversimplify his life at times, but even all that withstanding, I think that to me one of the core things is i do love kanye west the person and what i mean by that is he his music has been so important to me i actually used to not listen to kanye because of his personal antics too after the taylor swift thing and stuff and then i went in i started to listen to his music and i fell in love with his music and it's very much has created some of the memories that are very important to me it's very much supported me in times that have been difficult for me personally and so i genuinely love the person for having made that for me even though I don't agree with where the person is now. And it makes it hard. Like I haven't listened to Kanye West in a little while just because I'm like, I need a break. And I think that the last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop talking. But I think one of the things that people also don't acknowledge sometimes on the other perspective for, cause I understand my friends who are like, no, I don't listen to Kanye's music anymore is the change. Because this is someone who at first was like so important. Like he made songs like crack music, um, like the whole George Bush doesn't care about black people thing that he did on television. This, like even the Taylor Swift thing, those were things where he was coming from a place of like, black people are not being supported or acknowledged. You can argue he's right or wrong in either, like in any of the specific instances, but it was this support. Or like, I know friends who uh, felt very seen when they saw in an interview that Kanye had done where he's talking to Sway, where unrelated to everything, he just goes off on a side tangent and he's talking about how rap is too homophobic and how it needs to change in terms of how unaccepting it is of people who are gay and that kind of change from someone who was such a force for like positive change or not like he was like a civil rights leader or anything but like who supported a lot of people made a lot of people feel seen to someone to feel like they're going in the complete opposite direction is really hard to stomach and that i do get what what event or what do you think what happened to kanye that made him you know turn um toward this direction of a negativity i honestly can't say you know i mean i think that 
I don't know him personally, but from my perspective, part of it seems like watching like the Kanye West documentary um, or just a little bit of what I know about his other personal life. It seems like he surrounded himself with a lot of people who would just agree with him and not check him when he was starting to go in the other direction. But also he's like a workaholic. And like, I don't know if you all remember, maybe I do because just because I follow him. But there was a time where he had to be checked in and like cancel a bunch of tour dates because he was literally diagnosed with like clinical exhaustion. And like just because of how much he works, how much he actually refuses to like take breaks and stop. And I think that from an outside perspective, again, I don't know him to say this with any authority, but it seems like the death of his mother is something that he never fully finished grappling with. And it's like something that's hard to ever fully finish grappling with. But all those sorts of things, plus just like being in the limelight, being in fame, which doesn't seem like it'd be easy for anyone, I could imagine could, for some people, take them down a different path. Yeah. So do you believe that the rapper's music and the rapper's life uh, should be looked at like simultaneously together? Or do you think that they should be looked at separately? I think that any good art is going to have the artist in it. So I think that just straight off the bat, any art that doesn't isn't worth not isn't worth that's not that's a disrespectful way to put it i'm not as interested in if the art doesn't include the artists themselves but i think also no like there are artists who i don't listen to because of their personal background and history and like i'm not going to pretend like i can't necessarily judge people for listening to those artists because as i just said i listen to kanye west but to me it's kanye's our relationship started different and then ended up in a different place but it's not, I will never just say, oh, I'm just excusing it. And I'm listening to it. I think that if you're going to, you have to reconcile that and you have to think about what it means. And like you, there are some lines where you have, like where you, you might want to draw, like there are lines that I've drawn for other artists. So I have a question, um, on the topic of, you know, rap music, um, uh, this is a little bit controversial. Um, but what, what does the use of the inward slur mean in like rap culture and rap music i think that to me it's something that different people have different opinions right and mm. especially older generations tend to have opinions along the line of like just don't want it to be used whatsoever yeah i think that for me personally i don't have a problem with how people express themselves within guidelines and i think that that's not without without the guidelines i think that you make music that relates to yourself right and like expresses your environment how you grew up in and that's how you talk with your friends then i don't mind if that's how you also use it in songs yeah i think um that's uh those are really nice ways to think about it and like it's like um I don't know, just the way that you kind of process all the information and Jerry, I can't hear you. <coughs> all right. Well, so I think I think I think that's a really nice way to think I about it. I still can't hear you. Oh, am I not close enough? Hey, bro. I still can't hear you. All right. <coughs> so I think that those are like really nice ways um, to think about it, and like the fact that you like process all the information and you know kind of just interpret it in your own way and uh, be able to kind of get to like like the the bottom of like all the situations by 
uh, seeing like what people are going through or what they might be feeling or what effects like certain events might have had on them, I think yeah. is, that's worthy of like admiration or whatever the right word is. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's the right word. Yeah, I respect Kanye for his career, um, for his music, um, but seeing him like, you know, being put in these situations where he speaks his mind and it's sort of controversial. Um, it's it's kind of disappointing a little bit because, um, you know, as you said, he's been on this, um, he, he's been promoting change for most of his life. And some of his music is promoting, you know, that change. And again, it's just disappointing to see that, you know, he, he turned uh, to another direction in life. No, I agree. And I will say, like, personally, what I want most is for Kanye to just stop making music for like, not like permanently, but just like for a time. And that's partially like from a rest standpoint. Like, I hope that he ends up in a good place and is like, takes time to kind of reflect, get centered, what, like whatever it means to him. But to reach a point where like this kind of stuff doesn't happen so much that it's clearly having it because it clearly has a negative impact on his own mind state, but also also on all the people who look at him and appreciate him. You know, what was like the assistance of the of Kanye like doing? Like, I mean, Kanye was just going on interview after interview after podcast after podcast. And, I, you know, I'm just flabbergasted. <laughs> That oh, what? <laughs> the assist assistance like just didn't stop him, you know. He just kept going. I mean, there's a certain point where like you're big enough that like you can do what you want, right? Mm -hmm. Right. All right. So I have a last question, and that's on the topic of Japan. Um, I know that uh, you've lived in Japan. Is that is that right? For four and a half months. For four and a half months. Yeah. And you also learn Japanese, which definitely shows your dedication to Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. So what do you like about Japanese culture so much? If I'm being honest, like I got to college and there's a language requirement. So you have to take either three semesters of a language or you have to take a fluent level class to prove you're fluent and then be done. My Spanish class is born as I don't know what. <laughs> so I stopped. And... I decided to just learn a new language and then college. So my name is Swahili, Kamau. It means quiet warrior in Swahili. It's from Kenya. And then I also was introduced to like Japan, essentially like through anime pretty much. And there are also like some cool thing, like animals in Japan, like giant salamanders and stuff, but that's its own thing. So I was like, well, I'll either learn Swahili or Japanese, just pick between the two. And then I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I was like, well, if I end up never using either language, I don't have any Swahili television that I can watch, but I can still watch Japanese television. So I decided to do Japanese. Mm -hmm. And I just intended to go ahead and do the program and like do the three semesters and stop. But my university has a program called the Light Fellowship where they'll take you and then for either Mandarin, uh, Japanese or Korean, you can go study in country. And I got the Light Fellowship for the summer. It seemed like a cool opportunity. So I went and did it. And the reason why I stayed dedicated to, Jap uh, to learning Japanese is really not so much the culture. It's more so the people. Like to go back to that whole connection thing we talked about earlier, I stayed with the host family. And it was me, my host parents, and then three host siblings. And I just enjoyed my host family so much that I spent 
like literally every day I would go to school, come back, take like a two hour nap because I was always tired, even though I got eight hours of sleep. And then I would wake up, play with Mifune and just like until it was time for dinner, then go to bed. And I just enjoyed my time with them so much. And also there were other people like my calligraphy sensei who I came to appreciate that I was just like, I want to be able to talk to these people. So I just continued to learn Japanese. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say it's really the culture so much as the connections. Yeah, well, speaking from like, I mean, me and Mark both have personal experience learning Mandarin mm-hmm. and like Japanese is very similar. And I mean, it's, I don't think it's very, similar. it's pretty similar. It's like, they, they have characters like, and characters similar are similar that actually have the so same I think meaning. the vocal was a little bit different, but yeah, um, basically like, I just know that it's probably a very difficult language to learn and especially with all the characters. So like, it really shows like dedication if you're like I, me and Mark, we were in Chinese school for like, a and long we were just time. messing around. Bro. Okay, yeah, like, we were trash. But like, <laughs> but like, uh, like just being able to learn uh, like a difficult language so fast, I think is really, really impressive. So, I appreciate it, but it was a humbling experience. You know, you feel like an idiot when your teacher asks you a question. You start speaking Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were there any culture shocks when you came to Japan and you were like, "Whoa"? I don't really think so. I think that culture shock partially requires expectation right and i think that i went in without any expectation so i like saw things i was like oh shoot like this is different yeah and that was kind of it all right right. um so i guess do we want to transition into one actually no i have one last question about japan (laughs) (laughs) yes i do all right let me ask my question uh what's your favorite anime my favorite anime personally naruto like from an emotional standpoint i grew up with it there's nothing that can replace the fact like, I started watching Naruto when I was about, like, 10 or 9, something like that. And I turned 8, like, I was 18 when Naruto had his 18th birthday. And, like, right before the anime ended. And, like, that's wow. something that can't really be replicated. Not personally, though, like, in terms of what I think is, like, the best is this anime, Vinland Saga. It is the most... It's just a fantastic story. And there's not much to say about it other than it's one you should just experience. What's your opinion on uh, JoJo? JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. That's I, my favorite. I like it. Season. It depends on the season. There are some seasons I really love. Some seasons I'm kind of like, it is what it is. All right. Thank you for listening to our first episode of the Face to Face podcast. Uh, tune in next time. Listen to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, Make sure to follow yeah. uh, the Instagram at the F2F podcast yeah and mr walker thank you for coming it was great having you on the show thanks for having me